Hello and welcome to Dr. Kino's Film Emporium. My name is Toby Reynolds and I am sitting in the Emporium looking out of the window. We have a expecting guest all the way from Bonnie, Scotland. Okay, yeah, no, I hear a, I hear the sound of the Highland cattle coming down the road. Yeah, there he is, riding it bravely. Okay, he's dismounting and coming into the shop. Ah, we have here Dr. Greg Singh from Stirling University. Hello, Greg, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, Toby, how are you? Excellent, I'm pretty good, I'm pretty good. Let's, let's uh, uh, take your coat and pop it on there. And uh, yeah, please come along and uh, settle in one of our elegant leather wing-back chairs. Now... Uh, you've got an interesting film under your, uh, under your arm. Uh, okay, yeah, we'll have a look. Tell me about this film, first of all, briefly. Okay, this, uh, this film uh, is called I Love You, Matt, and it's a, uh, a bromantic comedy uh, directed mm-hmm. by John Hamburg from 2009. Okay, fabulous. So, before we get into that in a bit more detail, um, this is always a question we ask, two, two questions really, which I think um, are quite interesting. Um, I use it sometimes when I teach, uh, and it's... Uh, it's, I always joke about, oh, that's a psychological profiling done. But I think there is something in that. So because we'll get into the psychological profiling because of your research and interests and mine as well, because they do intersect. So, Craig, what was the very first film that you saw at the cinema? The first film that I can remember seeing very clearly was Escape to Witch Mountain. Mm. The, uh, the, D- the Disney, Disney kid. Yeah, the Disney magic kids go... Mm-hmm crazy uh, on, on a journey through America and they're chased by some, you know, uh, uh, monomaniacal kind of uh, uh, millionaire figure of some description. I can't really remember uh, really what it's about. All I can remember is uh, flying children uh, and one okay. was called Tony and that's it. And that's all you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So this is, um, so I actually remember it very, very vaguely. This is like late 70s, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, right. I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I think it was probably a matinee thing that was mm, went mm. on the second run because I'm not actually as old as the film itself, so sure. it couldn't have been a new release at the time. But okay. um, just make yeah. that absolutely clear. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay, so uh, do you remember being excited by it? Was it was it a sort of oh wow, this is uh, this is interesting. This is better than TV, or absolutely um, because I I went to the 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 pictures, as we used to call them, uh, with with my mum and my brother. And um, I can remember for for many months uh, afterwards, just kind of uh, playing the kind of witch mountain game with my my brother and, you know, kind of, you know, referring back to the film quite a lot. So, Mm. you know, that 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 notion of extended narratives that I'm kind of fascinated by in a lot of the work that I I, I kind of uh, um, I've published and that I work on. It, it, it's right there from the start you know I'm just interested in how the story stretches into the real world and how it stretches into into the imaginative spaces um, sure uh, and, and and that's that's a really really good example of that and I can I and it's you know it the strangest thing is I can remember it like it was yesterday almost oh, the power of cinema yes yeah also yeah. did you get to fly with did you and your brother actually fly at all uh, did it? Did it? Yes. That? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it absolutely did. Yeah. And we we, we we started from we start from the ground up rather than from ah. you know an, an upstairs window. So mm. <laughs> very good. So the the, the sort of um, the fuse is lit with your sort of passion for film. So what's I mean we're going on normal childhood and things. Where where were you born and raised, Greg? Oh well, I was I was I was born in um, West Wales. 
okay. and raised, yeah. raised in West Wales. So um, mm -hmm. uh, my hometown is Haverford West. And if you want to get yeah. and if you want to get really, really specific, uh, Merlin's Bridge. So that's, okay. that's where I grew up. Okay, so a beautiful part of the world in Pembrokeshire. It is absolutely stunning, and I and I do miss it. I have to admit, yeah. Sure, yeah. We know myself and my other half know know Pembrokeshire pretty well. So yes, mm. yeah, it's a, a gorgeous part, cheaper than Cornwall and less crowded as well. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, did film sort of start to make an appearance in your teens? Was it sort of was were you started thinking, hang on, this is you know what's uh, was it? As, did you get anything into sixth form? Did you do media studies or film studies at sixth form or? Oh no 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 nothing like that. I think um, basically I was I was really a, a TV kid. You know I wasn't mm. really that sporty, um, and I was really into television for for quite a long time. And and the the things that I used to I used to love Monty Python and mm -hmm. you know Terry Gilliam stuff and you know from that side. Also you know Hammer films as well. Oh, I, I, the classics. Yeah, anything with Christopher Lee in it. I just loved all of that. And and we're talking kind of, you know, I've just gone into double figures, you know, kind of preteens. Mm. And, I, and, and I, you know, I loved all of those old Dracula movies and, sure. and the, 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 you know, Devil Rides Out and all that stuff. Mm, yes, Absolutely yes. fantastic. So you sort of start to wear a film as like this, you know, there's a there's a cultural presence there. Um, you go to university, whereabouts? Um, so you know, my university life um, was... It's quite interesting. So, I, so I left home fairly early, and mm -hmm. um, I, I, as I say, I, I didn't do anything like film studies. Uh, um, and I, you know, I was in the real world for a while, um, and I took I took some time some time to kind of you know find myself and do all of that stuff. And I actually have mm -hmm. a music music background, so I was a practicing oh, okay. musician for a long time. Oh, okay, yeah. And 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 you know, and that that was that was my first first uh, love, if you like, in terms of in terms of actually doing things and you know, creating things sure um and i you know i was thinking what, what what can i do with my life what can i do to kind of make the most out of my interest in music and one of the things that i was really interested in was well what how, how do you get to become a film composer how do you get to kind of write all of those scores you know that kind of john carpenter stuff ne yeah which I next loved. john williams sort of thing, yeah yeah. I, yeah absolutely you know and, and and i loved all of that and i thought right how, how do you get to become that and i thought well I know about music, but I don't really know about film. I, I like films. I, you know, I love films, but um, but I don't really know a lot about them. So maybe I should go and learn about films. <laughs> so I, it was literally one day I ordered the UCAS book, and and in those days it was you know like the case catalog, you know. Yes. And, and 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 I literally opened it on the first page that I opened it on, and right at the top was film film studies with media and video production at, at Buckinghamshire Chilton's University College. And I think that's in the in the Jungian trade. That's what we call a synchronicitous event, isn't it? It, it absolutely was, yes, you know, okay. and and and, and literally. <laughs> I applied for that, and and I I went on on spec without uh, having an interview or without mm. having seen the university. I just moved. Yeah, that's uh, pretty brave. Yeah. Yeah, and, and thinking back, I you know, like, what was a, I thinking? A bit crazy. <laughs> yes. What yeah. the yeah. <laughs> but but um but as it happened, it worked out because um I mean at the time so we're, we're looking at the the end of the the 90s so i, mm. I I'd, I'd had about five years in the world and, mm -hmm. and decided decided i wanted to go to university as a mature student and um and at that particular time at uh, this 
sort of backwater provincial university college, mm-hmm. they had a, a, a media studies department that was absolutely phenomenal. The, okay. The, yep. the people who were teaching there, um, it you know, reads like a, a who's who of, of, of uh, named, you know, faces, uh, so yeah, to sure, speak, in, sure. in, in, in film and media studies now. So you know? any, any uh, mentors at all? This is another question we always like to ask because the, um, you need an academic mentor. You need someone to inspire you. So sure. Anyone stand out from that time? Or? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, if you think about who was there at the time, Mark Bould was was there at the time. He was sure. fantastic. Yes, he's in Bristol. Yep. I know Mark yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, you know, massive influence in terms of my interest in science fiction. Mm, yes. Um, yeah. Greg Tuck was there for a while as well, and he's okay. a big film philosophy guy. Mm. Turn, turn me on to phenomenology and and mm-hmm. uh, all of that side of things. So very influential. Um, but you had you had uh, Carol Bainbridge was there at one point. Um, uh, Andy Butler was there uh, uh, at the same time. Uh, mm-hmm. You know Heather Nunn, Anita Baresi, uh John Mercer, who's now at Birmingham. You know so and and uh, Katrina Glitter was there as Indeed. well. So, yeah. so we had, and they were all there at that time, just okay. as I'd arrived. So it was sure. it was really an incredible place to be, and and there was a real sense that you knew something was happening there mm-hmm. um and you know I, after i'd finished my degree i you know i went to went to birkbeck um to do yes. my master's degree and and at the time when i was doing that um andy butler gave me a call and said you know do you want to come and do some teaching um wow, so i, said, nice. I yeah. said yeah sure I'll, I'll come back you know and see all mm-hmm. see all my old uh, my, my old lecturers and, and mentors and and so i went back and and uh <laughs> when I joined the staff, I, I looked around and I didn't recognise anybody because they'd all gone. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so they'd moved on. So, you know, a, a small, a small group had, a, you know, to, to camp to Roehampton. Another mm-hmm. group had to camp to Uwe in, uh, in Indeed, Bristol. Yes. Well, Katrina Glitray's there with, along with Mark, and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So, so, yeah, and 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 later on, you know, so so I stayed there for. Oh, maybe about five or six years, you know, teaching nice. myself and, and, and running courses. And, and then at, at some point, so I'd, I'd uh, uh, moved myself to UE as well for, for a short period. Okay. So, okay. So what was your PhD on? My PhD, uh, with, I, so I did my PhD at Reading okay. um, with Jonathan Bignall. And right. um, who was who was great? I mean, you know, so back in those days, it was you know one supervisor per PhD, you know, which you don't really do these days. But um, you know, usually have a team or or a small at least super- a secondary, yeah. uh, at least a second <laughs> supervisor, right? So um, so, it, but it was it was basically very very um, um, conversive in, in style, and it was very much negotiated between. Uh, uh, between Jonathan and myself in terms of the way in which we approach things. Um, so, so I, I've really got him to thank for the way in which, you know, I approach things, you know, absolutely both feet in, just go for it, you know, and, and, and try and find my way through a subject. So the, the subject that I, I chose for my PhD was, uh, cinephilia, um, mm, yes. and, and looking at, um, popular film narratives in the cinematic afterlife. And basically it, it revolved around um, examining how uh, different kinds of content migrate from screen to screen and, and the way in which that changes the quality of the encounter with it and mm-hmm. the way in which we engage with it and the way in which we share it with other people, you know? Mm-hmm. So, 
yeah, yeah it, it's that whole kind of idea of talking up the movie that Chris Hawke talks about, you know, when, when you leave the cinema, what do you do? Well, mm. it, you know, if, if a film has impacted you, then you, you want to talk about it with, with... You go to the pub, you discuss it, you discuss what worked uh, and what absolutely. didn't Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, obviously now people take to Twitter and, and Facebook, especially during pandemics when you can't really go to the pub yeah. as you used to be able to do anymore. So, yeah, so it's changed the consumption. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so it, it has changed the consumption, but I think in terms of that, it's it's only really the technology that's changed. I think that that culture was always in the background. It was always kind mm-hmm. of running that program, you know. Okay. So you get into uh, into the sort of the phenomenology of things and the experience, there's the affect of film. So um, Michael Coven from Worcester, um, a really striking story. He had the first film that he remembers seeing as the watershed film, which we'll go into a bit later, is that it was Halloween and he saw it mm-hmm. as a 14-year-old in, in Ontario, in Toronto. And he said his reaction was so visceral, he actually ended up in the fetal position in his chair to the point where other people were saying, kid, are you OK? <laughs> <Because> <laughs> I, yes, I'm fine. Shut up. I'm, just, I'm focusing on the film. Yeah. So there's this... I'm always struck, I mean, certainly it's true from my own experience, just how immersive... Uh, a film is and how we react to that so I know in your book Film After Young which has been an influence on, on my research as well you go into the affect uh, and the, a lot and uh, again um, how did you get into Young because this is a this is an interesting sort of not sidestep but it's kind of like a natural progression in some ways yeah it's 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 it was curious really so I was an uh, as an undergraduate um you know, can you imagine, you know, being in, in a lecture theatre and Carol Bainbridge is there, you know, kind of um, lecturing on, on psychoanalysis in film. And then you go to a cinema, uh, the seminar and um, Andy Butler is, is taking the seminar, you know, yeah. so, so so I was very lucky in, in that regard, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, so you're talking through the ideas and Andy just happened to mention at the end of a seminar, you know, so so has anybody ever heard of Carl Jung? And I, I put up my hands, you know, tentatively. I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's something to do with... So we're talking about the unconscious, but he talks about this thing called the collective unconscious. Is that right? And so, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we, we, we kind of rounded out the, the seminar, just with talking a little bit about Jung and what some of the differences are between Freud and Jung. Because sure. obviously in, in film theory, Freudian you know, traditions, uh, you know, very prevalent and very influential. Very prevalent, very uh, probably dominated for too long in yes. my opinion, I think. I think there's there's been this sort of, they have been the go-to, that and um, cognitive, um, you know, the Steve uh, Neal, I think. Yeah. It's just been this sort of, this, this sort of two-pronged approach to, to psychology and psychological approaches, either in the narrative or the actual experience of films. So, yeah, yeah, yeah ab- absolutely, yeah, and that that really changed things for me. I think it was uh, at that point, you know, kind of midway through my my degree program, that everything just clicked. Everything just mm-hmm. came into focus, you know, if you like. And um, and I just thought, Do you know, that's that's a really interesting one. I'm I'm going to write my dissertation on it. So uh-huh. that's what I did. You okay. know, my my undergrad dissertation was was on Jung and film and and looked at the films of Tarkovsky and oh, okay. yeah, da, da, <laughs> Dario Argento and, Ooh, and people yes, like that. Yes, you know, lots so, of symbolism there, yeah. yeah. Uh, absolutely, yeah. And you know, that so so you know, it was a ready made kind of marriage in heaven, if you like, you know. Absolutely. Okay, interesting. So we mentioned about the your first film and this is the second question which I think is, is always interesting. 
what uh, do you remember the film that sort of really lit a fire under you that sort of like it really got you you know they, some people it was a chance encounter other people it was the first my own one was probably a number of films but uh, the first film that really made me feel again we go back to affect um just that cinema could totally you know change your outlook was kind of scutsy which uh-huh. is a Godfrey Reggio's effort from a visual tone poem, I think it's been called. Uh-huh. And yeah, that, that's actually the first episode of Dr. Kino was on that because it was the film that made the most impact on me as a, as a callow youth of 19. It was quite a strong experience. So what was the, what was the film that really sort of affected you? Uh, um, the, I, I can remember it quite clear, clearly, actually. Excellent. And um, it, it's um, it, around about, it must have been, the first broadcast, the first television broadcast of it, because I would have been around about 14, 13 mm. or 14. Mm. And I can remember watching The Double Life of Veronique okay. um, yes. on, on BBC Two. This is Kislovsky, isn't it? Kislovsky, yeah. It is yeah. Kislovsky, yes. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, even though his, his Three Colours trilogy is a little mm-hmm. bit better known and, and the Decalogue sequence. Yes, of course, yeah. Um, you know, and, and later on, of course, those, those probably had... Uh, a longer lasting impact on me because I've, I've gone back to them time and again, but the mm. first one that I saw was uh, double life of Veronique. And it, 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 you know, talking, talk about a, a you know, a, an affective response, you know, the mm. hairs on the back of my neck were on end when I was oh, watching okay. it. It was one of the, <laughs> absolutely. I found it absolutely extraordinary. And, and what, what I, I think that really affected me the most was the combination of that kind of very, very personal, mature storytelling, mm-hmm. coupled with what what seemed to me to be really refreshing, but very, very beautiful and very um, um, craftsman-like uh, mm. uh, cinematography. Sure. And and even then, even at, at thirteen or fourteen, I can remember thinking, I really like this kind of story i like this yeah. kind of mature storytelling i like the the, the bits of melodrama and the, the psychodrama mm-hmm. and the, the and the the existential angst that's going on here i like all of that and also of course you've got to remember that you know so it's a film that's set around about the time of you know great upheavals and change in, in europe mm, you know sure. with with yeah. the with the falling of the the, the berlin wall and and the opening up of the the former eastern Bloc, and that and that film is is really a personal story about the way in which i for me anyway the way in which the the, the two sides of europe were coming together as, as mm-hmm. a new kind of identity a new whole mm-hmm. and, I, and i think you know thinking back on that now and we've just been talking about young i mean this is a young kind of uh, a reading of the film in, in some sure. ways great great that segued nicely into um just the sort of general uh research uh, that you're interested in so what what are you working on at the moment what's your sort of current range of interests now i've there's there's a number of interests that I'm I'm, I'm working on in a minute. Um, in terms of actual research, I, I'm doing quite a lot in in the field of science and technology studies, which mm-hmm. we won't go into now. But in terms of um, uh, more audiovisual stuff, I'm working on a, a short form monograph on Black Mirror. Oh, okay, um, yes, yes, yeah. So so that's that's uh, a series that's really kind of had a, a, a big impact on me. I'm I'm a, quite a fan of Charlie Brooker anyway. I think that a he's, lot of his great. Stuff is, yeah, I yeah. I've got to say, I, he's an acquired taste uh, for some people. <laughs> um, I think you should acquire that taste. I think you should you should keep um, <laughs> you should keep trying to acquire it. 
Um, he's not for everybody, but the yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's always got something interesting to say. So yeah, yes. abs- absolutely. And uh, uh, without going into um, lots of swear words, I don't think I Indeed. can actually. But no. um, you're one of his characters. The name of the character would put some people off, and of course the 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 litany of of mum jokes that he, he just it, it's kind of like why have you done that charlie you know it's quite it's quite embarrassing but i think he does it on purpose you know it's a very yeah, self-reflexive yeah. yeah 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 absolutely very much so uh, so yeah. i think he's he um i mean there's the philomena kunk uh <laughs> how to be a very careful how you say that and uh yeah the, the which obviously had diana morgan just did a superb job and uh-huh. has now spun off into her own series i mean that was from uh, Charlie Brooker, I think, yeah. and uh, yeah. yeah, just uh, yeah, comic, uh, comic gold, comedy gold, mm-hmm. excellent. Yeah. So, uh, do you have a book out at all that's, uh, that um, we, people at, should uh, investigate? At, well, at, at the minute, uh, I don't have anything that's that's all that recent, apart from um, actually last year I, I brought up the Death of Web Two Point which is uh, um, okay, yeah, which is a. a a look at ethics and connectivity um, and recognition and recognition from a from a psychological as well as philosophical perspective. So mm-hmm. um, drawing very much from the, the work of uh, cohort and self psychology um, and and drawing parallels to uh, Axel Honneth's work on recognition uh, in terms of self esteem, in terms of status, in terms of uh, um, self belief and self worth and so on. Of course, so there's sort of the um, the selfie generation, uh, yes, with the internet and social media and yeah, I mean it does pose some incredibly interesting questions about um, the sort of existential uh, nature of of uh, reflects of of uh, how we see ourselves and how the internet reflects us. Yes, and, 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 and also generates identities. Yeah, absolutely, in the way in which we see each other as well. So the mm. the, the whole kind of idea of the Black Mirror in, in Black Mirror actually um, uh, inspired me to think about well, how does that work in the real world in the here and now? And you know, so so it kind of it lets us know that Black Mirror isn't actually about the future. It's not about something that's kind of outside of our our. our the knowledge of the world it's it's actually about the here and the now it's about I'm very much so yeah it's not yeah. some for me it's not so much science fiction i think it's uh-huh. it's probably one or even half a step you know in another direction but it's not that far away i think <laughs> so yeah um just the sort of uh, on a more sobering note so i think the whole spread of uh the q conspiracy mm-hmm. theory in in the trump you know for the for the trump election or the trump biden election is just yeah, this is uh, it's having real world impact. It, you know, there was all sorts of um, things that have been traced back to to QAnon believers. That, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's uh, it's we live in interesting times, as the old cliche Chinese cliche goes. Yeah, we well, yeah we certainly do. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's a bit of a circus out there. The oh, just a bit. Yes, I think. Um, so very before going to I love you, man. Um, you go you you've been at Birkbeck. Uh, did you do a PhD there, or did you? It was at Reading. Right. So, sorry, you did say yeah. yes. You did yeah. say sorry, and oh. then you move, and you're now at Stirling University. Yes. Yeah, so I, yeah, I, I worked uh, at a number of institutions um, in that in that kind of post PhD period, mm-hmm. uh, and then and then uh, landed a job at Stirling, and I've been here for seven years now. Um, nice. Yeah. Um, uh, head, headed up a, a new program in digital media, and also I you know so I teach into. All, all of the programs really across from the media studies and um, 
journalism studies and 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 media management as well. So, um, so I'm a bit of a journeyman as far as as okay. far as the subject matter goes. <laughs> However, you know, you know, thinking about the way in which you know I wanted to go in a certain direction, I wanted to make the most of the the Black Mirror project. Actually, mm-hmm. um, so I put together a, um, a science fiction module that's uh, in second year of running and. I have to say, I, I'm having a blast. It, I'm having Fantastic. so much fun teaching it, and and this, I think the students are getting quite a lot out of it as well. That is know? the main thing. Yes. Yeah. 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 I always I found uh, I've, the teaching possibly the most uh, fulfilling part of of being a trainee academic. So I'm still, you know, I, I think the uh, the phrase is independent scholar. Which uh-huh. is very much like a resting actor, so <laughs> you kind of you get to do your own thing, but perhaps not with other people's sort of things. So yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, but the teaching for me is is probably the most fulfilling aspect. So it's absolutely, yeah. I, I completely concur. You know, it's, there's nothing there's nothing more rewarding than being in a room with a bunch of young minds and and they're firing off. You know, oh, it, absolutely, it's yeah. great. It's great. It's great yeah. to see. It is a cliche to say they can teach you as much as perhaps you can teach them, and it's I've certainly found that to be true. Um, yes, for yes. the most part, yeah, yep, yeah, definitely. I would say, yeah, definitely. Excellent. Greg, let's talk about "I Love You, Man." So uh-huh. I, don't, I haven't seen this film. Um, it's from two thousand and two thousand and nine. Two thousand and nine. So not that long ago, but not that recent either. Uh-huh. And it's uh, basically a bromance. So who's in it? Is Adam Sandler? Or uh, no, no, no. So it's oh, not, right. Um, okay. I did. I had to. I had to yeah, watch it. yeah. So, so it's it's um, Paul Rudd and Paul Rudd. Yes. J- okay. Jason Segel and yeah. um, uh, Rashida Jones. Okay, fine actors, all of them. I actually yeah. have a I have a soft spot for How I Met Your Mother, which Jason Segel's ah. in, which I actually really like. Yes. They tried to be it tried to be the sort of the new friends. Didn't quite work, but I thought no, no, I'm not getting into this. So it it go. has its moments. It so, certainly has yeah. its moments. Yes, yeah. There's uh, yes, there is something about Barney that uh, does make me chuckle. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, so I love you, man. So what's the what's the premise? So the premise is um, that uh, Paul Rudd is, is playing um, an estate agent called Peter Claven and has, uh, you know, they're based in L.A. and mm-hmm. he has a, a number of uh, clients in Hollywood, one of whom is um, Lou Ferrigno, who oh, yeah. played, okay. played the Hulk. Hulk and, yes. there, yeah. and, there, and there are many jokes about uh, him playing Hulk and, and actually he's moved on. He's quite a sweet yeah. guy and all of that yeah. kind of stuff. He's just like, oh, okay, not this again. Yeah, like, uh-huh. yeah. And, um, you know, he's, 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 uh, he asks uh, uh, his, his girlfriend uh, to, to marry him. She says yes, except in the first 10 seconds of the film. And then, and then it's basically all about, well, you know, this, this guy, Peter Claven, his name is... Um, mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't have any friends, so mm-hmm. you know she's got loads of friends. He's he's friendly with all of her friends. She yeah. never really meets any of his friends because he hasn't got hasn't any. Got so any, no. yeah, so so the whole premise is around I've got to find myself a best man you know, <laughs> for right. the wedding, yeah. Yeah. and so he meets the the Jason Segel character Sydney Fife, mm-hmm. um, uh, just just uh, um, as a you know in, in an accident kind of uh, scenario where. He comes along to an open house uh, where you know Peter's showing off Luferigno's house, and yeah. and and uh, uh, Sydney, uh, the, the Jason Segel character, he's along to eat the free food and to meet single <laughs> women. So so it it kind of pits them in, in very different places. So you know okay. you've got this 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 kind of very shy, somewhat effeminate kind of character in Peter Claven. 
um, who is very un unassuming. And then you have this kind of a little bit more bullish, mm -hmm. a little bit more, you know, un unreconstructed masculine uh, uh, figure in, in Sydney Fife. Okay. And it's like sort of chalk and cheese friendship. Sort of, sort of, sort of yeah. yeah. But also they, they kind of bring out in each other um, certain traits that, that aren't uh, immediately uh, uh, obvious. Um, okay. so, so there's a real kind of compatibility or, or chemistry that, that's okay. at work. So, so, so you do get this kind of bromance that, that emerges very, very, very quickly. Okay. In the, in the film. So with the, with the Emporium, the... The general premise is it's either the film has to be underappreciated, um, under um, excuse me, underappreciated, uh, under the radar, or underrated. So, which of those do you think "I Love You, Man" would fall into? That's a that's a tough one. I think you know, sitting on the fence, I'd say a bit of all three. But okay, um, but to to make more sense of that, I think um, it's it is something of a cult movie because. It's part of the that frat pack kind of uh, um, right, yeah, you know, like, movement, I, I guess, in in Hollywood. Yeah. So it's got all the type of thing, and you know that kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. So so it does feature a lot of the the, the same uh, key figures uh, uh, that, that that are often kind of in that movement. So you know, Paul Rudd is the obvious one, but also Jason Segel, who was in mm -hmm. Freaks and Geeks, which is the, the right. kind of classic. Yes, uh, yeah, uh, the Judd Freaks and Geeks, yeah, yeah, absolutely, and. Um, and and of course you know Rashida Jones who was in that mm -hmm. as well and she's been in other things and mm -hmm. um, and and also John Favreau who okay, makes a, yes. a cameo and it's a bit part but it's mm -hmm. absolutely fantastic the mm -hmm. the guy has a real knack for playing um, complete completely horrible people but also <laughs> very very funny with it you know okay. um and and also also the butt of uh, a lot of the jokes so yeah you know so uh, there's a lot of you know kind of key movers and shakers and rashida jones obviously is is uh, not just uh, an actor but uh, produces and writes as well and yeah. and, and is very successful in and a great films. a great comedian yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, total natural comedian, great comic actor. Uh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. and she's and she is just fantastic in this as Excellent. well. She 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 plays the part really well, and and you know, so I think that you know, underrated is is certainly mm -hmm. certainly the case for this film. But I I call it um, a, a cult movie because even though it probably had quite a lot of success, it, it's um, it's really down to the fact that it's been overshadowed by a few of the other the other films from that frat pack movement that have done much, much bigger business. You sure. Know? I was going to ask, I mean, on a, on a commercial basis, did it sort of, did it make back its money or did it sort of, you know, did it lose money or? It, uh, as far as I know, it didn't lose money. So okay. it was, it was, it, w it wasn't an expensive film in the first place. It, you sure. know, it's, it has a small ensemble cast. Um, you know, it's filmed on, on location, Venice, Venice beach and, and, mm -hmm. and, um, the surrounds um so i think it did okay but i think that also um subsequent films that that have that, that have come out since like for example um this is 40 which is a, yes. another yeah. another um another poor road vehicle that that is completely that, overshadowed it and I mean, then of it, course you have ant-man <laughs> right and all yeah well, this is another poor road thing but the i mean the hangover trilogy um, that yeah. was, I mean, that was a sort of surprise sleeper hit. So, but then that obviously led on to two sequels, I believe. So, mm -hmm. yeah, there's. Um, okay, so you think it should be better known, or 
I think it. I think it should. Yeah. I mean, what, one of the things that it strikes me, and one of the reasons I absolutely love this film, is because um, one of the things that the two main characters bond over is a love of Rush, the Canadian okay, yes, rock trio, yeah. right? Yeah, and, the prob- yeah, Giddy yeah, and yeah, yeah. That's okay. it. Yeah, best best yeah. Play, bass player ever. You know, and it, and it's you know, and I I am a lifelong fan of Rush myself, and and sure. if you know. And it, it is absolutely true. If you're a Rush fan and you meet another Rush fan, yeah. there is an instant bond. It just yes. happens. Yeah. But also they, they describe themselves as the biggest cult band in the world. And I think that yeah. that's a real nice parallel to this movie because okay. um, because actually it, it's kind of like the biggest cult movie that's ever ever been made, you know, okay. because, because it, it features so many of those key players. Uh-huh. But it's very understated and kind of flew under the radar. Right. That would be, yeah. Yeah, I mean, what this is going. I mean, this goes on to what actually defines a cult movie because this is a notoriously slippery uh-huh. uh, sort of film term, isn't it? Really, there's yeah. people have written PhDs on it. They've discussed it endlessly. There's been numerous pub conversations about you know what makes a cult. Well, certainly in my circles, but what <laughs> makes a cult? Perhaps from yours too. I don't know. Uh, maybe even some of the listeners. Um, but what does make it in your in your in the sing in Doctor Singh world, what does what makes a cult movie a cult movie? Um, that's an excellent question. I, I think <laughs> that's an excellent uh, yeah, start to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> I'm going into my question time style, Indeed. avoiding the, the the answer. However, I, I think that you know, um, in terms of, for example, something like I don't know, with Nail and I mm, is is yeah. pretty much indisputably a cult film, but mm-hmm. we can agree on it be, probably because. Of the way in which it, 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 as a sleeper kind of hit, it kind of just moved into general public awareness and and real public affection actually mm, over mm. the course of quite a, a, a long period of time. Mm. And and I think what makes it a cult is that subsequent generations of of, of viewers kind of discover it, and it's almost yes. like it's yeah. almost like it's been discovered for the first time ever. Sure, uh, each time. You know, it get it gets circulated amongst amongst a, a, a little audience. You know, and it, mm. it becomes their their special secret, their special in joke. You know, it yeah, becomes, oh, and all it, the very quotable dialogue as well. You know, yeah. in terms of, you know, we seem to have come on holiday by mistake and all that yeah, sort of thing, absolutely. or by, by accidents. And there's the uh, Danny, the drug dealer, who's quite possibly uh, a pretty scary character actually, in his own way. I, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I've met him. I th- yeah, he's, I think everyone knows a Danny. Everyone <laughs> knows a yeah, Danny. Everyone right. knows a Danny. It's like, uh, if I fixed your medicine, you'd think a brain chamber was a holiday. Sort of thing. It's, it's just... just uh, yeah. That's pretty good, actually. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> it's when he takes his glasses off that and everyone... I think that when I was... I think I might have seen it at the cinema, and everybody just everybody went did this kind of <gasps> sound because his bloodshot eyes. He looked so so dubious, you know. But, yeah, I, th- yeah, I think I think um, the actor is it Ralph. Brown? It's Ralph. Um, Ralph. In innocent, uh, it's oh, Ralph. Somebody, Ralph Allen Ralph, might be. Um, I can't remember the yeah, second name, but I think I, Ralph, I think but, yeah. he'd stayed up for three days before shooting ah, that scene or something. That, indeed, it's the, the secret is you know go method if you can't. Yes, you can't absolutely. Make it, make yeah, because you know, we, I mean, Richard E. Grant is actually allergic to alcohol. Yes, and so I think Bruce Robinson, who wrote and directed it, actually put why he put vinegar in the. Um, in the uh, bottle which he drinks from and actually made him throw up for real but kept it in so it was uh, yeah quite an interesting shoot uh, to say the least so I mean the, going back to cult films the I mean I think it's there's the you have to have quotable dialogue but I think also 
there was that you mentioned affection and i think that's a really important part of it is the people like rush i guess the um oh. it's you people have a deep and abiding affection for certain films and it's it's in some ways indefinable why but there has to be this sort of recognition that they they recognize something there and it's yeah it's either so it's like it's like the room with tommy wiseau it's uh-huh. so it's so appalling it is hilarious um, yeah but yeah, yeah it's yeah, I've seen it the once. Once was enough. Once was enough. Yeah, yeah. And, disaster and artist, a fantastic film as well. Um, it's it, it's one turn. of those it's one of those things that's on my on my on my watch list. And mm. one of the things about James Franco, of course, another alumni of uh, alumnus of uh, um, yes, the Frat Pack, Freaks and Geeks, right? You know, there is this kind of this notion of the Zen of Franco, right? Okay. Which is, so, so he he is like a cult. That. That's good. Yeah, he's a cult figure in himself because you okay. know everything. Every every time you see him on screen, he's playing a a different character, but it's kind of like he's just James Franco, right? You know, yeah, a, a little bit like Sean Connery. You know, Sean Connery. Yes. It, he just doesn't need to act because he's no. Sean Connery, and 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 Franco has this way about him that's very Zen like. And mm. he brings that to everything he does. I'm not. I'm not necessarily a fan of James Franco, you know. No, but no. but but having said that, I I think that there is something to be said for that kind of actor, and and certainly he's acquired some sort of cult status. I, okay. I, I would say. Okay, I mean certainly with um, with the I Love You Man. What are the performances like? Because this is obviously it can it can make or break a film, especially if it's a a small ensemble cast, no real kind of special effects. So uh-huh. it is down to the acting, the comic timing. So we we mentioned Rashida Jones already. Yeah. Jason Segel and Paul Rudd are they do they have a chemistry? Is it genuine chemistry? They, they, yeah, they do. They do have a genuine chemistry, and I think a, a lot of it though I think is around Paul Rudd. Um, his persona on on screen, in any case, is quite likable. It's quite mm-hmm. affable. So every man type thing, isn't it? Yeah. But he also has classic film star looks as well, which which okay. probably helps. Does help, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and and then, um, but also he has what he's described in in the commentary, uh, the DVD commentary. I'm still dealing with D- DVDs, by the way. Um, it, no, it, I, I put my hand up to it as well. I mean, just joined Netflix. Um, yeah. Oh, about a month ago. So, um, no, I'm a very much um, physical media man. Yeah. Yeah. So 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 he describes um, what what he calls uh, clevernisms. So. Peter Peter Clavin comes up with these these little one-liners and jokes, and they're so ham-fisted, and, yeah. and he's he's kind of tripping over himself just to try and you know make out that he's this kind of you know confident, uh, uh, outspoken person, but he's not. He's really quite sensitive and quite quite shy. Mm-hmm. So, and 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 that really comes out. It's it's quite touching actually that performance. It's it's okay. very endearing and it's very relatable. Mm. Um, which I think, which I think is a, is is part of uh, the film's charm. So, I mean, going running with this, I mean, do you think it sort of taps it taps into a sort of more sensitive masculinity that perhaps uh, isn't being addressed? But there's a sort of there's a vulnerability there that you know this is a, there's um, uh, I think men uh, are not offered a huge amount of range of masculinities within cinema, or certainly they didn't used to be in the eighties. It was famously. Arnie and uh-huh. Sly Stallone and you know the uh, sort of Bruce Willis kind of triumvirate that's you know for the action uh-huh. films the sort of hyper masculinity but yeah. this has changed now I mean we now have a range of masculinities to choose from on the screen so is this one of those sort of moments I, where it's I, like I, actually yeah this is a sensitive guy who's, yeah. who's actually having str- he's actually seems to be struggling to connect with other men 
Would you yeah, say it's true? Yeah, I would say that's true. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, and you know, th- this comes out in a lot of the things that 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 um, we we kind of notice that, that are kind of incidental moments. But you know, for mm. for a cinephile such as myself, that are kind of absolutely up front and center. So you know, he he sat around the dinner table with with his parents and and, and you know his girlfriends there and his brothers there, and um, he's drinking red wine mm-hmm. with with his with his his fiance. Is uh, and 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 his mum and uh, his dad and his brother are drinking beer out of mm. out of the bottle, you know, uh-huh. and and th- those little kind of ticks in the film kind of give you that that sense of okay, well, there's something else that's going on yeah, here. The it's other being, being signalled, isn't it? Yeah, and the yeah, other yeah. thing that, that you know, so he does he doesn't really play sports. He plays golf, I guess, which is you know kind of like sort of neutral, but sure. also but also fences. So there, there okay. is this kind yeah. of you know where he talks about you know. Sweet Perry or something like that, you know. Well done, Gil. That's a sweet Perry or whatever it is he says, you know. <laughs> and and it's kind of like what what you know. So he's trying to be, you know. Have you seen the? Did you see the game last night? You know, and all that kind of stuff. You know, trying to be one of one of the, one of the lads uh, mm. occupying this homosocial space, but it's really quite effeminate in some ways. Mm. And and the 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 the, the kind of. Um, I guess the semiotics of the film really kind of flagged that up, not unproblematically, I have to say, but sure. also, but also, I think that what it's trying to say is, well, you know, there's one, there's one stripe of of guy here. We can't have one-dimensional men because that's mm. that's clearly not a, a realistic representation. No, no. So it's actually quite. There's there's more there's more going on with this than actually, and then perhaps might first appear. So it, it's not some crude frat pack effort. This is actually. A little bit more, a bit, bit more thoughts gone into the script and the direction. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think there's a little bit more care that's gone into it, and ah. and also, of course, you know that the, those little clevernisms where you know he's stumbling over his own masculinity to get get it where he thinks he should be, ah. and 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 you know the, the the kind of payoff is that you know um, they you know they go through this kind of uh, uh, this journey where they split up in. Okay. Thomas, um, and but they get back together at the end, and it, right. and, it, and it works out. But but it but it, the way in which they get back together, it's because um, uh, his wife, played by Rashida Jones, says, "Look, you know, you, you guys have been fighting. You guys need to sort it out. Get together. <laughs> get a room. You know, the yes, kind of yeah, thing. absolutely, and, yeah. yeah. And that and 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 it is quite sweet at the end, you know, because." Um, Peter finds his voice. He's able to talk without stumbling over his his words, and and he's able to just say how he feels mm-hmm. unproble- unproblematically, which is, okay. which is quite sweet, really. Oh, okay, so I mean, the, the, um, it's a bit of a cliche that there's a sort of homoerotic charge to a lot of male friendships within mm-hmm. film. Is that is that here? Is it? Or is it sort of? Is it kind of? Uh, is this a film aware of that of that potential, but makes fun of it, or does it sort of? It's, you know, it's, does it deal with it? At all, cer- or? Yeah, there's a certain tongue-in-cheek treatment of okay. that, I would say. Um, mm-hmm. And wh- one of the things around that, it's, it's complicated by the fact that um, you know, so P- Peter's brother Robbie is uh, uh, is a gay man, but mm. he's but he's coded in a very very um, uh, straight traditional uncon- unreconstructed okay, masculinity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. So, so he's kind of coded as as, as sort of predatory in some fashion. Okay, right. But, Interesting. Um, yeah. yeah, and and his best friends with their dad and things like that, and it's a bit of that's a bit of a shock to Peter. You know, it's kind of like, Absolutely. what do you mean your best your best friends with Robbie? What? Um, yeah. And and so it's kind of like you know he's been shut out of that particular world. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there are there are those ways in which he, he's kind of uh, um, trying to work that out. And and one of the ways is that um, so Robbie says, you know, if you want to find a, a best man, you know, you need to kind of go on mandates. You know, you need yeah. to you need to you need to find a friend, but mm. don't ta- don't take them out to dinner. Whatever you do, it's not that kind of day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and he, and of course he ends up going out on a Getting, dinner date yeah. with a guy, and it ends up being quite awkward. You know, okay, um, yeah, it sounds it. Like... <laughs> <laughs> great, um, great. Thank you very much indeed of that. Uh, you have convinced Doctor Kino that this will go in the Emporium. I, I, I haven't refused a film yet. I got very close <laughs> to refusing Sahara, which was uh, from Matthew McConaughey's effort from two thousand and five. That's about the closest I've ever come, and. Um, my uh, uh, the person who came in Thai uh, was uh, the the story behind the film was actually possibly more interesting than the film itself and how it got made. But I had to say, okay, does it work as a film? And he went, yes, it does, and gave the reasons why. So that's good. But that I think you have to you have convinced me. So it's oh. we have an unbroken run of successes in the Emporium. So thank you very much. So uh, that is I love you, man, from two thousand and nine. And who who directs it? If it's, it's uh, uh, John Philip. John Hamburg. John Hamburg. Okay. Yeah. Now, do you know who wrote it as well? Because uh, it 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 doesn't spring to mind. Although I think Hamburg yeah. had a big hand in it because Hamburg sure. actually in in high school uh, played in a Rush tribute band. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> so you can see, right? There's a connection there straight away. Okay. Yeah, massively. <laughs> okay, so excellent. They're the biggest cult band in the world, obviously. Um, and then I mean, Rush were going for like 40, 50, nearly forty five years, weren't they? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Did did Geddy Lee pass away recently? Wasn't it that? was uh, Neil Peart. Who Neil Peart passed, that's passed right. away. Very, yeah, very yeah. recently. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah, quite a shame. So yeah. Canadian power trios. Okay, um, Greg, thank you so much for coming down from Scotland on your on your mighty Highland, Highland cattle uh, truck sort of thing. Um, truck uh, mighty Highland cattle <laughs> transport. Uh, it's great to see you and to speak to you. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you for having me. All right, take it's care. Been a pleasure. Thank you. Bye. Bye bye. And that was Dr. Greg Singh from Stirling University with I Love You Man from 2009. Uh, thanks very much for tuning in again. And uh, yeah, uh, hope, to see, hope to see you or hear from you next time. And Dr. Kino's Film Emporium. Uh, enjoy films and take care. Bye bye.